passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. It is Rewind a Dynamite time, a huge show, because, Way, we've got a pre-sale. Uh, yes, yes, that is the big announcement. The blank it? look on your face, probably reflective of many out there. Yes. Yeah. Um, my personal request is that you leave the graphic as is. I think that it is uh, symbolic <laughs> of uh, what you believe would be the big aspect of the show tonight and and boy was it uh but that is uh, still to come uh tony khan's important important announcement never said huge he just said important maybe there's a scale to maybe some of that verbiage you know? i definitely want to know what the scale is and if hmm. the scale has been interrupted by uh, tonight's announcement but we have lots to discuss it is wednesday always a busy day we have several shows that are up on the site if you do want to uh, catch up with them we had up next, returning a day after Halloween with uh, Davey Portman, a.k.a. Seth Rollins, and the man that stole Halloween this year, in my estimation, and that is Braden Moxley. Oh, both those two steal Halloween every single year. If you are into, um, I guess, any sort of professional wrestling tie-in as your excuse to enjoy Halloween, I mean, these two really have made an annual event of it in the biggest way possible. Look at the links that both of these men went for their wonderful, wonderful get-ups. Yeah, check it out yeah. at Poison Rana Pod if you haven't seen it. Yeah, already. go check it out. The uh, the, the skewers. Um, oh. might, it might, uh, YouTube might flag us if we put this image up, but it was, uh, it was quite the hit. And a, a great job by both men. I was expecting them to go like pretty deadly or something. So they went, uh, they went the literal version, I guess, in, in this sense. But um, I mean, this, I have so many questions about this, but a, a great job by one Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. So go check out up next from today as they uh, recap night two of Halloween Havoc. We'll share some of our thoughts on that uh, to come. Also today, Kareem Zidane was on Pollock and Thurston, a fantastic chat with uh, Kareem going through the politics attached to the Francis Ngannou Tyson Fury fight from this past weekend, what it means, where Saudi Arabia is as compared to years past, and what what was symbolic about uh, Saturday and moving forward when it comes to combat sports, the overall placement of combat sports and entertainment in the grander uh, plans for the country itself. We also spoke about Crown Jewel this weekend and the UFC's deal with Saudi Arabia that will begin next March with a fight night card. So a, a great discussion. And then myself and Brandon going through a lot of the news from the past couple of days. So you can check that out 
up at postwrestling.com and on our YouTube channel. A really great conversation. Um, I love that you guys have Kareem on, you know, I guess at this point, a couple times a year, if not once a year. But it seems like this is a story that's always um, growing or at least um, changing. And and, um, Saudi Arabia's involvement in combat sports um, is probably maybe at an all-time high right now. We also want to go over some of the highlights that are coming up this month at postwrestlingcafe.com. With uh, a ton of extra shows, the Post Wrestling Cafe is your way to support post wrestling and lots of uh, bonus content that comes your way with your $6 per month. And because of the way the month works out, three editions of Rewind Away, which uh, will feel like 10 uh, by the time we get through Thunder this week, because this episode of thunder this 90 minute episode of thunder took me three sittings to get through wow that bad really it was it was rough terrain but boy do i have no shortage of things to talk about with yourself and brandon from new jersey who will join us this week and then later in the month uh we will do the polar opposite with wrestle kingdom 10 the farewell to aj styles as he would uh, work his final tokyo dome show and then things all come back like a yo-yo with December to dismember in November. Yes. One of the worst pay-per-views of all time. This almost lined up with the anniversary of this show, by the way. Uh, yeah, I think that's December the 3rd. And this will be the final week of November that this uh, takes place. So uh, very close. If someone was uh, probably doing this completely by accident. And it was not an out. accident. It was a very intentional choice. Okay, well, then yeah. kudos to that person uh, at the espresso level. And if you do care to join the espresso level, you too can choose an event uh, to put us through and then have the option of joining us for a segment. So all three of those will be uh, coming out this week as well. Waiting and I, we will sit down and we do what we do best we are going to talk sometimes we do some of that sometimes we do a lot of that and this is a podcast dedicated to simply us talking not about professional wrestling but just about anything going on in our lives maybe a little bit about our business uh maybe just a little bit about um the world yeah as shane douglas said on thunder this isn't like a normal wrestling interview this is a shoot brother sure yes slogan of that this this is a work yeah this is a shoot man if you have you watched thunder yet no i have not i've not started boy 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 well that is also (laughs) uh, as well this month we will have reviews of power struggle this weekend with karen peterson and bruce lord we'll be covering lone star shootout uh loki is winding down only a couple more episodes i believe left only two episodes left. I'm all caught up. Episode four was actually really fantastic. So well worth the time investment. Um, if you are planning on choosing to um, watch and listen to WH and Rich talk about it every single week. Two great voices uh, out there for you to uh, check out. And then, of course, your weekly staples, Rewind to SmackDown, Collision Course. And we also have recently introduced ad-free versions of Rewind to Raw rewind to dynamite and our pay-per-view reviews which uh in the month of november you will be getting crown jewel full gear and the survivor series so those will all be ad free for members of the cafe and my brand new audio updates which will be coming out multiple times per week uh from the news updates you can get a, a wonderful rendition of them in my in my voice they're incredible they're the best way to consume John Pollock's, uh, you know, wonderfully written work. But if you want to hear John actually basically give you a bonus show several times a week, 
sign up to the double double or espresso tiers. Yes, maybe one of these days I'll start doing handwritten updates that I will uh, I will mail to you. Um, that that I'm 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 almost scared of how much time that would take you, but you do have wonderful handwriting. Yeah, um, I, I prided myself on my penmanship, but I uh, I, I don't get as much of a workout uh, with it a- anymore. But yes, all of that can be found post wrestling cafe dot com. Uh, join us at any level, and uh, all levels come with the uh, the bonus audio uh, content. So there you go, a video as well, actually. So uh, you know, a lot of you guys, <laughs> this is on video. <laughs> Yes. Oh, a lot shit. of you guys might listen to us uh, either through the YouTube memberships or through Apple podcast memberships. We always recommend people to sign up through Patreon at postwrestlingcafe.com. It is $2 cheaper. You get video now as well. So you're not really missing on anything. You're only paying less and getting more, I would say. All right. So it is, uh, it is Christmas time. So whether your Christmas tree is up in July or now, this is a great <laughs> Christmas gift for your special loved one. You know, mm-hmm. look under the tree and there is a access code to postwrestlingcafe.com. What more could you want? I think it's a wonderful. No pre-sale. You can get it now. Great. Yes. All right. We're going to uh, move on and uh, chat about uh, a couple of news items. Uh, one update that we just had, courtesy of the man himself, Eric of the Viking Raiders, uh, providing an update. Of course, he has been off television for quite some time, and he just had neck fusion surgery. C6, C7, neck fusion surgery. Says that, um, you know, the surgery went well. Now it's on to recovery. Neck fusion is a long, long recovery process, as we have seen in uh, past instances where some have missed um, a year or more. So don't know what the timetable is for him, but obviously we wish him as speedy a recovery as possible. But you know, as we have mentioned on uh, Rewind to Raw and throughout this uh, period where he's been without his partner, it is nice to see that when it comes to Ivar, it's not like they're just shelving this guy or making him like some inc- inconsequential figure while his partner is out. They're getting behind him in a significant way in the absence of Eric. And obviously, this is going to be a pretty, pretty substantial um, uh, absence for Eric. Very much so. I mean, they're both incredibly talented on their own, and uh, Sarah Rowe, you know, included in that, in that tandem as well. So that's right. Yeah. Um, I, I think they've done a wonderful job of pivoting Ivar into a single star, and or at least singles uh, wrestler. Um, star remains to be seen, but you know, they've really gotten that moonsault over as sort of like a mm, an important part of of the entire thing. And hopefully, by the time Eric Rowe comes back from what should be a very long recovery process, um, he'll come back to a much harder act than what they were for the past several years maybe ivar should really go to them and say you know i know this moonsault's over but i've got an amazing right hand i could do a knockout gimmick too that would probably get a big pop too rather than doing this moonsault every every time on my knees paul white at one point did a moonsault i believe so um he does he uses the right hand now and and that's and that's about all of it we will talk about paul white i don't know if i've ever seen someone so stationary in a segment as a as that individual, uh, but more to come with uh, Paul White. Uh, we're getting down in the uh, the Super Junior Tag League. So tomorrow is the final set of round robin matches. So if you have not been keeping up with the Super Junior Tag League, the top two finishers will advance to Saturday's final at Power Struggle. And in first place at the moment are El Desperado and Master Wato with 12 points. And then you have Sho and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Kushida and Kevin Knight, 
TJP and Francesco Akira, Bushi and Teton, and the junior heavyweight tag champions, Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney, all tied with 10 points. So a lot of different scenarios of what can come out of Thursday's show in Osaka. But the main event is Desperado and Wado against Sho and Kanemaru. Uh, Kushida and Knight are taking on TJP and Francesco Akira. Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney are taking on Eagles and Fujita. So Eagles and Fujita could play spoilers in that one. Yo and Musashi can play spoilers against Bushi and Teton. And then there's a inconsequential match with Ryusuke Taguchi and the DKC against Doki and Takamichinoku. Uh, but Desperado and Wado, the only team that could beat them in a tiebreaker are TJP and Francesco Akira, who do have a win over Desperado and Wato. So um, those are the final sets of our round robin matches, and we will see who advances to Saturday's card, which is the uh, show in Osaka. And just looking at the card here, besides the finals, Hiromu Takahashi takes on Taiji Ishimori for the junior heavyweight title. Okada, Tanahashi, and Tomohiro Ishii taking on Zack Sabre Jr., Mikey Nichols, and Shane Haste for the never openweight six-man tag titles. Sonata and Yuya Uemura against Tetsuya Naito and Yotasuji. Tangaloa against David Finley. John Moxley taking on Great Okan. So he will be uh, heading off to Osaka this weekend. Will Ospreay defending the IWGP US title against Shota Umino. And then there is also going to be a Frontier Zone match with uh, members of Dragon Gate, uh, Strong Machine J, Yoshiki Kato, and Mochizuki Jr. against uh, three unknowns, maybe the acclaimed and daddy ass. Um, I'm sure they're campaigning right now. Yes. Perhaps uh, if they have uh, bags that they can hand over to uh, the Dragon Gate representatives and uh, pink tights, pink boots, and pink plaid scarves for saturday <laughs> but that is uh happening in osaka and again for cafe members bruce lord karen peterson will have you covered for power struggle uh this week a lot of early shows on saturday you've got this like in the morning super early and then crown jewel at uh 1 p.m on saturday oh, what and then collision at, at night i mean what more could you want other than professional wrestling in the entire day of saturday the entire day of sunday as well bring it on just non-stop around the clock um, and as we speak, the uh, the Texas Rangers are ahead of the Arizona Diamondbacks, one nothing at the bottom of the seventh. So if the Rangers win tonight, the series is over. But if they lose, that means there will be a game Friday night, and SmackDown uh, will get moved to FS1. So, okay. so some some wrestling tie-in to tonight's game. Are you going with the Diamondbacks? Do you think they're going to make this comeback? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Win the whole series. You, they got good really offense. They've got good defense. They can hit the ball well. It's all you need. Nailed it. NXT, Halloween Havoc, night two. Night two, Halloween Havoc, the performance center we had in the main event. It was going to be Ilya Dragunov, Carmelo Hayes 3, the trilogy. And it was uh, Ilya Dragunov uh, retaining the championship. And I really like the way they did this angle at the end. So you had Trick Williams come out. And, man, he's just – Carmelo Hayes has just seen a ghost. And Trick Williams, I thought – For a guy that came out, he was saying nothing. He was tremendous in his role. And then he gets into the ring. But they leave you on the cliffhanger of what happens because they cut to the back and there's Baron Corbin laying out Ilya Dragunov, which I guess is our next NXT title program. And what happened? What happened with Trick and Carmelo um, as a hook for next week's show? But I I like the angle at the end. I thought it was Mm -hmm. was a very good match that they had. No surprise there. Um, But this angle, man, this audience, they are so into Trick Williams. 
Yeah, very much so. But I, I think they've done a great job building this Carmelo and Tri uh, Trick rivalry um, and mystery, um, you know, dating back to, I guess, um, you know, the NXT North American Championship challenge or win and loss. Um, they've done a great job of building up this rivalry without really the use of either man winning a championship, you know, just both of them basically losing or at least trying to cost each other from even attempting to, to win it, I, I think has been really well done. Who are you looking at right now as sort of at the end of their NXT run? Because I feel it's so top heavy at the moment in NXT. Like there are several that I feel are all ready to move on, but I don't know if they want such a mass exodus that they are going to probably stagger them out. And the creeds weren't even like in that list and they're obviously getting the call up now. Yeah. Well, Braun, I think, you know, has, has been past you know but but like this this heel character is like a new wrinkle for him that he's getting to work out while still being in nxt i'm, so. I'm glad he got this this heel run because he's been mm -hmm. great in the role and he took to it very quickly but i'm glad he got to try it out here if if they if he had hit um yeah. a stumbling block rather to do it here than you're lost in the shuffle up there certainly um i also wonder if a tiffany stratton might you know sooner than later be be getting called up um rather than having her win back the championship for instance you know she already seems like she's more than ready for a main roster role i think there are a lot of guys i mean carmelo and trek of course uh, we we creeds are probably already called up at, at this point so they're ready for like the next generation to in nxt to, to what, what is it now 3.0 4.0 to i guess step 4. up 4.2 yes um, other highlights from the show. So they they also had a tag title. Uh, what what did they have here? They had the women's tag title. Sorry, with uh, Chelsea Green and Piper Niven retaining against J.C. Jane and Thea Hale. And then the opener was the tables, ladders, and scares match with the Creeds against Umberto and Angel. The Creeds win the match, and boy, for two guys that were getting called up, I mean, man, there was this one spot where Julius gets flipped off the top turnbuckle, and it's the small of his back that catches the ladder coming down. And man, you always go back to that Sean spot on the casket. I was like, man, like, could you imagine just finishing up here in NXT? And you, it, like these guys, like they did the requisite ladder spots uh, in a match that, I mean, the audience got into, but you just watched this and we're like, God, just don't, don't kill yourselves in this, uh, in this final outing before uh, going up there, but they put them over. And I mean, this could be the send off if not um, doing, uh, a few more appearances, but it seems, you know, they're that this could as well might as well have been their, their send off. I don't know how much more you need to get out of them in NXT. Agreed. I mean, other than like, at this point, I don't really see them losing to any teams. I mean, they can, you know, if they really, I don't know, want to give some of that value to somebody else, but I also think it's perfectly fine for them to just go onto the main roster of this hot winning the, the, the this uh, scares. Um, they just certainly delivered on the scares, John, you know, um, with the amount of risk that they took. Oh, there were several the scares in this match. Yeah. I mean, these are mm -hmm. like the creeds are not the, uh, it's more so Brutus than Julius, but both of them, like they're hardly the smoothest performers at this stage of their career. They sort of have this recklessness, but I say that in a way where it's like, it's entertaining to watch because there's a certain, um, like these guys are so strong and they are still getting comfortable, I think, in their skin as professional wrestlers. And there's... And then you throw weapons into the mix of it all. Um, there, there's definitely a danger element here. And kind of lost in all this is that Ivy Nile is part of the package. Like this could have been like Electra Lopez getting dropped from LWO. The, that does not appear to be the case here. And Ivy Nile also making the jump. 
I guess we shall see. I mean, they they can they can hold her back um, for whatever reason, but I think she this. I don't. They, I know they don't call them Diamond Mine anymore, or at least I don't think they will when they call them up to the main roster. But as a three-person group, they work really well together. All right, and that was uh, that was NXT Halloween Havoc, and the ratings for the show. Uh, they did six hundred and seventy-four thousand viewers and a point two zero in the demo. This was going against the uh, the World Series. I mean, they are just working these. Uh, they are racing to get this World Series done. They had a game uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, tonight. If they go again, they get one night off, and then it's Friday. I mean, I, I seem to recall like you'd give them a bit of a rest between some games, but they're just pounding these games out. It is the beginning of November. They had to well, make room for for that other, I guess, opening round. That silly opening round. Yes, yeah. that was, uh, I guess, you got to make room. So uh, viewership was down 14%, but the demo was only down 3%. I would say all things considered, this was not like you had Becky like you did last week. You were up against a competition. I would say that was a um, very, very satisfying number, even with the, the viewership being down. It was, it was mainly like... Um, you know, your 18 to 34 number was down 18%. You would think on a night like this, it would more affect younger viewers than it would your your core older audience that, I mean, October 31st. I mean, that's, that's Halloween Havoc night too. What, what other plans am I going to be having? So that was that. The more interesting number this week was Collision on Saturday night with the big Kenny Omega MJF first time match. 472,000 viewers, 0.13 in the demo, down 9% in viewership, down 17 in the demo and they were down an astounding 26 percent in 18 to 34 and then if you see wrestlenomics with the quarter hour performances um it was certainly this match that carried this you take this match out of the equation this like even the way this finished like this was a number they would do against a wwe show and it would have been uh that much lower without this main event so you could certainly argue that this was at least a a must-see match that was designated for collision but I mean, also the realities of a Saturday night where they were against the World Series. They were against co- three college football games. And I think that it was also, I, I think also a match that you you could have built for longer, but it was still one of uh, of interest for people. And that was the clear viewership pattern. Yeah, I mean, I I don't personally have an issue with them putting this on a Saturday. Um I do have issue with maybe a three day build when they knew the state was coming. They could have made a bigger deal out of it at least a week ahead, if not two, if not three, if not a whole month ahead. Right, John. And if they managed to do that, I wonder if that might've mitigated some of those losses even a bit more. Um, But uh, you know, this is a, I guess the style of booking we've kind of become accustomed to from Tony. Have you sensed a big booking change in AEW over these last like two to three months, I would say. Um, Because of collision. Yeah, with the, I would say, yeah, since the addition of Collision slash the elimination of Punk as well, with, with that out of the way, like, mm-hmm. how do you feel that the pacing of the booking feels? We're also getting way more pay-per-views now, so it's not as though we right. have these big three-month, uh, you know, turnarounds. It's now pretty much every four to six weeks you're getting a pay-per-view. They've kind of doubled their output, haven't they? You know, with the addition of Collision and these pay-per-views. So, I mean, in many, many ways, I think there's a lot more airtime for a lot more talent that's on their roster to to get on. Um, but if you're a fan trying to keep up with it, it's that much more daunting, I, I would say, to keep up with all these different storylines. So, um, uh, quality is almost like a different story, John, you know, than maybe there being too much. Um, and I think there are now more than ever concerns about the quality of the output and the types of stories that AEW is telling. 
I, I would I would definitely agree with that. Like to me, it is there's definitely a difference in the feeling of, of the programming. I think you're still getting. I, I would certainly think that there has been a some of like the big matches are still delivering. I don't think you're getting the consistency that we once were. Like uh, like tonight's dynamite being an example of one. Like this was not one where it's just. Like it's it's such a differently programmed show. We're we're getting out of the ring way more now, and there's benefits and negatives to it. Like there was a time you never would have seen this like show long story of an MJF, and I'm not calling that a negative. I'm just mm. pointing it out. That's a clear difference that we would not have seen in, right. in the past. Um, mm. th- there's positives and negatives, but I do feel like there is a perception change now among AEW. It is feeling like a a promotion that is leaning a lot more heavily trying to get away from just the in-ring being it's it's calling card. There's a ton of stories. I would argue there've always been a lot of stories in AEW, but um, the the quality certainly is, is more hit and miss and how much you're connecting with some of these stories. Or or at least maybe different from what a lot of people might have initially signed on for as an alternative to the WWE. Again, I'm not necessarily one of those fans. I kind of like a lot more, um, I don't know, out of ring storytelling in my AEW programming just to kind of flesh out these stories. Um, but a lot of people, or maybe you, they you do. You want a 69-day but... celebration on Saturday night. That's what you're here for. Oh, I've been counting since number one, yeah. Uh, last thing here was the raw number from Monday night, a million three hundred ninety one thousand viewers and a point four three in the demo um, between ABC and ESPN. There were about 15 million watching uh, the NFL game on Monday night. And then, of course, another World Series game on Monday night. So that was another eight to nine million as well. So it was one of the lower um viewerships in raw's history and the third hour was under 1.3 million not too often you see a third hour fall below that mark but the 18 to 49 demo only down five percent and uh this was also one where uh males 18 to 34 that was the only i would say significant decrease from last week at uh 34 percent uh from the prior week but older viewership was up from the previous week so that was all with raw um against what they were we will not have any more baseball after saturday so they will at least have that reprieve but you still have monday night football to contend with but overall i raw has they have really fortified among younger viewers and that is propping them up and i think you look at that number of where the 18 to 49 number is and you look at that as holding up well against uh, the given competition do you want to speak a bit about your daily update today and, and some of the sort of, um, I don't know, data analysis that you did for AEW's programming rating? Yeah, well, I was I was kind of curious. I think I'm going to do this for, for WWE later this week. But uh, just going through the numbers for October and comparing them to not just last month, but also a year ago. And you have to take into account that there's roughly about 5% less homes that TNT and TBS are in then at least at the end of uh, 2022 and what you can see is that yes for for dynamite for all the discussions about the the perception issues and such i would say across the board right now at least from september to october we're not seeing much big change and this is this is comparing for collision college football versus college football and for dynamite this is pre-NBA, so that is going to be something that they are facing now on, on Wednesdays as we move forward. But, I mean, overall, my like conclusion on this is that their viewership is fairly stable. Like, when we look at tickets, I think that's more of maybe an area of concern where we are seeing these lower numbers. And depending on how late the promotion is and what word they can get out is like that, that final little uh, spike. 
but Rampage, like Rampage has definitely fallen over the last year. And I think that is to be expected. And I don't even look at Collision as a reason for that. I think Rampage is what Rampage is. And it has now found its audience. And I think this is an audience that they are going to seek this out. Like there's very little movement month to month of Rampage. And I think as long as like that should be the home where you do a Vikingo Penta Commander three-way, it has no connection to any of the stories we have going on, but that's a super cool match that I want to see. And Rampage is the place. I just feel that is Tony Khan's um, science experiment. And this is his fandom being played out on a Friday night where you can just do cool, weird matches with all your toys. And it doesn't have these giant repercussions to other programming that you're booking, which I mean, that that is good and bad. I guess you can have more leeway with this show, but it's also not going to be must see for a portion of your audience, a significant portion. I find it interesting that he's been using these sort of, I don't know if you want to call them stunts or just like, I, I guess maybe attraction type of uh, specialty booking matches that aren't storyline related. Uh, I find it interesting how he's using them to try to spike, you know, uh, live attendance for these dynamite tapings and um, the side this effect. This was a smart idea to get out. Like you saw what Mystico meant for uh, Rosenberg, mm-hmm. Texas a few weeks ago. Um, I mean, I, I mean, granted we're in a different part of the country here in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, but um, you know, it's, it, throw things out and you you don't know like there might be an audience there that i mean how often does a vikingo come through kentucky not too often (laughs) well i was gonna say an an unintended side effect is that you're promoting the match for friday you know for a lot of people um you know probably with like five days build in in fact so uh, i'll I'll be interested in watching this one for sure all right uh if if you want to take a look at that um uh, the data, and I definitely encourage everyone to uh, to follow WrestleNomics as they are doing this on a on a daily basis. But uh, just going through some of those uh, those numbers as well. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. All right, um, let us move on to tonight's edition of Dynamite from... Way's favorite arena in all of the U.S., the KFC Yum Center. Mm. What more yeah. could you ask for? It was this the, uh, what was that thing called? The double decker, the double, what was that gimmick they had? Like, a um, ago? what was that? Uh, some sort of double blast, uh, double heart something. attack, uh, double, double bypass. <laughs> I don't Ryan's going to be on top of this in the, uh, in, in the <laughs> chat. This was where you took two pieces of chicken and they served as the default bread. And that Speaking was- of stunts, yeah, that, that really is the Vikingo versus Commander versus Penta of uh, chicken sandwiches, I would say. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A Topecon heart attack. Okay. Mm-hmm. So tonight's show started off very different. We did a recap video at the beginning to kind of bring all the stories up to date. Did you like this way? Yeah. I, so, you know, yes, we can cite a lot of these changes to AEW's production as maybe, I don't know, attempts to get closer to like a sports entertainment, mm, I guess, I don't know, format. I look at it just as like more of an evolution and and more like um, of an attempt to actually mm, present visually like the stories that they've been telling, which have largely kind of been taking place either just via promos or through in-ring work. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. And I actually quite enjoyed the the new attempt tonight. I, I saw no issue with it. Like you're going in there with the idea, like your audience, even your audience is watching. Like what are like bring me up to speed. Give me if my you miss collision. Like this is the really big thing that happened, by the way. Brian Danielson is out, you know, yeah. that's right. Yeah, because mm-hmm. people would not have known that if they miss collision and they're not up on uh, the news and such. So uh, a different start to the show. And then we go right to the back with Renee, who is with MJF. And this would be the story of the night. He's got to find three partners. And it's the acclaim that are constantly campaigning for the spots. And MJF is pretty much anyone but the acclaimed is who he is searching for. And he calls up Adam Cole on a video chat, which I'm not going to talk about the the connection they had here because I'll be jinxing myself after this week. So um, a, a very uh, rough line here. And Adam Cole just letting that beard grow during this rehab rehab process. Um, yeah, I guess I guess, um, you know, November, you're supposed to start with no beard and then you're supposed to grow it throughout the month. I guess he's uh, gotten a head start um, through several months before. But what do you think of the, of the bearded look? This is, um, yeah, Grizzly Adam. Adam. Yes, very good. Uh, no, I mean, I think it's a great way to show that the band is injured. You know, like you have no reason to see the world. You want you, you have no is, reason. This to is a man out. who looks like he is. Um, he's on. He's on bed rust at the moment. He looks like a man who's been playing video games for the past thirty-five hours nonstop. He calls MJF the greatest champion of all time, wishes he could be there to help Max, and says he should consider Samoa Joe's offer to be his friend. But MJF is worried because he nearly broke my neck in my last match and says he is going to defend their tag titles at full gear. And they have since announced uh, it will be on the zero hour with the guns, but they are promoting a mystery partner for MJF, which was never brought up on tonight's show. It wasn't the focus tonight, but... They are at least advertising that it's not going to be the handicap situation. Oh, that'll be a different campaign. He'll have to knock on even more doors to find a partner for this tag team title defense. So MJF walks out, but Cole is still on the video screen when Roderick Strong in the kingdom wheel uh, Roderick in. And Strong asks if he really thinks MJF isn't the devil. And Cole just scoffs at this notion, cuts it off, and then we cut to the devil mask, uh, the man behind the mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit of a different start to, to Dynamite. I thought it set up the show long storyline effectively, built to the main event pretty well, gave you a little bit of a update on Adam Cole's new look and uh, provided a bit of star power at that. So um, I do feel like, you know, they, they do keep teasing this this devil thing as, as this like thing that's still looming. I do think the devil is due for another attack really you know especially one of a bit more significance than what ended up happening with jay white if they want to keep this thing that much more alive orange cassidy claudio castagnoli opens up the show for the international championship and this is where they replay uh from collision uh the post match and they do a close-up of uh, danielson's eye and mentioning that they hope he'll be back before the end of the year 
but this was their yes explanation of him uh, being out and apparently went into that match with the injury and then uh worked with the orbital injury and uh was out for Halloween though with his family so that was good to see they dressed so I, hear, I hear he actually did have the surgery already I I don't know a hundred percent for for sure on that but um yeah you may know more than me um uh and then went out for Halloween what a trooper that's you know what you squeeze in orbital bone surgery and then you know you dressed up as a as a member of the Adams family like oh is that what dude, he did dude Wednesday had to have been the the most um costumes I saw this year everyone dressed up as Wednesday so oh Wednesday okay not not today not the no I mean the character Wednesday gotcha gotcha yeah I hear that it was a big hit uh Barbie and Ken I hear were big hits as well we I didn't see a- any Barbies and Kens but yeah that would have been a big one yeah for sure okay Wednesday I didn't see I didn't- any Oppenheimers either <laughs> that might be a bit trickier trickier for yeah, I don't know kids when I saw that I saw a lot of Paw Patrol um what else mm-hmm. yeah those those are the big ones we had a lot more children this year than years past. Like years mm-hmm. past, we, I don't, it might have been due to like the pandemic in previous years, but I mean, this year it was pretty consistent. So, um, did you have a good time? Trick or treat. I had a great time. Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. There were so many, uh, kids in our area. So that, that part is, uh, fun that there was. Despite the cold. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Evie saw this other child dressed up as Sky, who's this character from, uh, Paw Patrol. And she thought it was like the real sky. So no. Like, can I go talk to her? I was like, yeah, you can. <laughs> she went up and was like, thought it was like the real character. I mean, it was amazing. It's amazing to watch these like, like kids see like their favorite characters and they're being replicated by human beings. Yeah. This is a, this is our favorite sky. What did she say to sky? This talking. I, I didn't eavesdrop. I thought this was like a private conversation. So oh, I didn't, yes. uh, I didn't listen in on the conversation. I can only imagine what she asked. <laughs> it's adorable. Yeah. She, she will watch Paw Patrol like in French if she, uh, she'll she'll watch it in any language. What a great way to expose her to a new language. Perhaps. Sure, she's like, can I watch Paw Patrol in French? I'm like, sure. If that is, if that is what your heart <laughs> desires. So this is a first time singles match between Orange Cassidy and Claudio Castagnoli. We have Hook and Yuta in the respective corners. Although midway through the match, they'd get into each other's faces and they'd get ejected. And then there's a pull apart in the back, and Hook puts his hands on one of the security guys, and he is thrown out of the building, which would play into the post match here with uh, Orange Cassidy without any friends. Mm. So uh, the so where, first, were the, where were the other best friends? They did explain the best friends are not here. I don't think they had a reason for it, but they were not there. Well, this crowd might have not not, not necessarily heard that line because Trent was supposed to be on Rampage. Well, yeah, case. they later promoted Trent for Rampage. But I guess in it's in a, a, canon, a, a, a canon yeah. these these shows are all live and they sure. happen at their designated time that you see them on television, I guess, sure. with the same people in the front row. So uh, the first, I would say like 70% of this match was all Claudio Castagnoli destroying this guy's ribs. And like, it it was going along fine. I think like seeing their interaction last week in that tag match, like I I was just expecting like this unbelievable blow away match. And and this was a very good match, but it was like very slow and like, uh, you know, just uh, attacking the ribs and Cassidy selling really well here. We then see him finally hit a, a stun dog after Claudio's shoulder goes into the post and then a tilt-a-whirl DDT into the giant swing. So I'm like, okay, now we're into all the counters and stuff. He gets a sharpshooter into a crossface, and then Cassidy gets out of a crucifix with a cradle. The neutralizer is attempted, but Cassidy just plummets to the mat, and Cassidy gets yanked up by the pants, 
Claudio stops a small package, stops a stun dog, and applies a sleeper. And then Orange Cassidy does the, uh, the the Bret Hart kicking off the turnbuckle. And the way he came down, dude, I thought he like folded his neck over. He did not fully rotate. And this felt like a uh, a rough landing. Uh, but he gets over, hits the orange punch, then the beach break. But Claudio rolls to the floor. And then we see this unbelievable multiple revolution satellite DDT by Cassidy. Orange punch attempt is turned into a Rana. And then he rolls through and covers Claudio hooking the leg in 17 minutes and two seconds. So Cassidy retains the championship. I felt like the slower pace to start was like was to be expected. Just kind of given like they went for how long, John? 17. Like this was a 20 minute match here, you know, and in tag team setting, they were going to be a lot more explosive, but I thought they gradually built up to that explosivity in this match really well, told a good story here of Claudio basically being a monster against Cassidy, who's really one of the best underdogs um, in all of professional wrestling, I would say. So I thought the two of them mixed together really well. The size differences in the athleticism of both men makes for just like last week some really like impressive sequences and, and the spot of the match for me was that tilt a whirl that perfectly turned itself into a big swing um these two can do really so much together that i don't think other parents are able to do so i would love to see this again with a bigger storyline build yeah i would say if things were different and you didn't have this moxley program that you've been building to like claudio feels as though he is the guy that in Danielson's absence, and I would have argued like you could have put the title on him here. I don't know if you necessarily want to beat him, but there's too many things in the way. And you've got this this bigger match that is planned for Cassidy. I mean, Claudio is incredible, of course, but I, I, I'm since he's lost the ROH championship, you can even argue when he was ROH champion. I, I, I don't know how invested they are in actually making him feel like a main event top level act like he's a TV main event guy. But like. It I think you have like- to do that Okada match. I think you have to do that. Whether Danielson's back or not, I feel like at the at the very least, he should be the setup then for Danielson. What opportunity would you have that? Uh, like, are you talking about with an AEW or, or you, you want New Japan to promote a Claudio versus Okada match? Well, they're not going to have the time to do it in, in New Japan just because, I mean, power struggles booked and then you've got. I mean, pretty much Wrestle Kingdom. Like, I don't think they, they would and, do it on a smaller show like World Tag League or something. And are AEW invested in building up a match for Wrestle Kingdom? Well, I guess I guess it depends. I mean, last week, it was certainly the, the idea of, you know, doing doing something there. Um, he, Danielson could be back, you know. Yeah, he, he could be. I mean, this seems like this is not going to be something that is going to keep him out for a prolonged period of time. I guess it's just, you know, when you're looking at – you know, how severe the injury is. And obviously January 4th is the date everyone's looking at. But at this point, I'm looking for something bigger with Claudio, you know, like a story specific to himself as part of the BCC. And I've almost felt like they were teasing something here by the end, because at the moment he lost the match, he looked incredibly disappointed. And even during the mocks attack, they kept cutting back to Claudio as if he was about to do something. So I wonder if that's leading to anything. Yeah, kind of similar what we get to with with the Young Bucks too, but more like subtle version here. So Claudio's like selling the loss as Moxley arrives and he just ch- uh, Cassidy charges at him and Moxley beats him down. They mentioned the best friends are not here until the Rampage tapings and Hook has been ejected from the building. So Claudio just watches this as security gets involved. And then backstage after the break, uh, Moxley uh, cuts this awesome promo that Cassidy picked up the scraps while he was out beating Phoenix. And then I showed you respect when no one else would back in Chicago and asked, did you write me off? 
and he isn't feeling too good. So maybe you're just the wrong guy at the wrong time, but I'm going to beat you within an inch of your life at full gear. Mm. I have never been so uh, intimidated by Braden. <laughs> this was a great promo from Moxley. You know, um, he came out here and beat the shit out of Orange Cassidy. And last you saw these two together, I mean, okay, there was that uh, shoulder check, and but we don't exactly know why Mox is so angry at Cassidy. And I thought he gave you a great explanation. He basically said that his the the revenge on Phoenix was his, and Orange Cassidy stole it from him. And if you're John Moxley, that is more than enough justification to want to beat the shit out of somebody else. So he was great here yeah and and moxley did return over the weekend he did a pair of matches for ott so i mean he's uh, like we, we've seen him doing like physicality and such but i uh, like he did like a one really long match with uh trent seven so i wow. mean went like 27 minutes with him so um he seems all good to go uh mjf is in the back campaigning for partners he knocks on kenny omega's door but chris jericho answers and asks for kenny and jericho just shuts the door in his face so that one's down then he gets thrown up against the wall by Wardlow, the bully, stating that MJF took everything from him. Now I'm going to take everything from you when you least expect it. And uh, Jeff is like, okay. And this is where he walks into the acclaimed who are following him around. Uh, not interested. Not yet. I thought it was nice that they had, you know, Jericho um, basically interfere with Max trying to talk to Kenny because even if Max is okay with Kenny, um, he has a lot more enemies than, you know, he, as, as throughout his run as a heel than probably anybody. Uh, Jericho's like, we, we've got a tag match. What are you trying to get him to tag with you? He's booked. There's that too. Yeah. Not working again. The Young Bucks and Hangman Page against Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony for the ROH six-man title. So this wasn't an I didn't even know this match was happening until the mm -hmm. show started. And the explanation was that the Gates of Agony and Brian Cage invoked their rematch this afternoon and did it late so that the Hung Bucks could not prepare for the title match. That's a great excuse for uh, maybe that's what Kenny Omega did. Uh, well, we know that's what Kenny Omega did because I guess uh, he didn't challenge until a week before anyway, so. They, they had a lot of uh, ways to uh, protect the Hung Bucks in this. They had the short notice, and then we would have an angle in the midst of this. But um, as Hangman Page comes down to the ring, let's remember seven days ago, his house was broken into and his child was nearly abducted. So when he walks to the ring, the graphic on his, uh, his uh, Chiron reads, Hangman needs to invest in a new security system. Yikes. Okay. You're saying this is a, a maybe one of the lower thirds that might have overstepped its um its comedic intent. I mean, it's it's funny for people that follow along the the hangman page uh, Matt Facts that that we get every week, but um I don't know. It does, Page it does used to of... beat the shit out of this Chiron operator, I think. Okay. I think it makes uh I mean, I mean it does kind of uh, take a little air out of uh the significance of this his child was nearly abducted. Yes. Is this not something to be concerned about? So Paige gets the hot tag and he's just going nuts here. Sets up for the buckshot on Khan when all of a sudden Swerve comes out with Prince Nana asking whose house and stating I was in your house last week, not the pay-per-view. <laughs> and Paige chases them to the back, leaving the bucks on their own. And this is where Cage deadlift superplex Nick. The, give, the gates of agony, they lift and drop Matt, and then they toss him into a powerbomb by Cage and hit their finisher, and the gates of agony pin Nick Jackson in 7 minutes and 55 seconds, and they regain the ROH six-man tag titles. 
And mm-hmm. uh, I think those Honor Club subscriptions just uh, lessened for Final Battle. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that was the thing, I suppose, you know, because, yeah, they put they have the belts on, you know, people like um, MJF and the Bucks and, and Page and Eddie Kingston. Um, and a lot of us, I guess, assume that they would be holding on to it until the next ROH show. Um, doesn't seem to be the case unless they, you know, hot potato the titles one more time. But I guess you're left wondering what exactly was the point of this, like, trios title win for the Bucks and Paige, other than to maybe have an excuse of promoting a few of their matches on TV. Yeah, I, I think we're all going in different directions here with uh, w- w- with the Elite, and that would be alluded to here, and now they get them back onto an ROH act. Um, not not that it matters in the least, because I would argue that these are probably the most meaningless titles in all of AEW and our ROH. I feel like the FCW title might be even more valuable than these ROH trios championships. Um but I, even the match tonight, I felt was just okay. For one thing, you didn't have much time to really build. Any this was a really support. quick match. Like to me, it was like you were going into like Hangman's like big comeback like five minutes into this. I mean, this was not a traditional like Bucks Hangman type of match. This was more to set up the angle. It, two two different angles, you know. Here, um, very much more of a storyline driven sort of purpose related to the match. And this is maybe where I could see a lot of people's arguments about this show sacrificing in ring quality for storytelling. And you need both, but this didn't deliver the usual in ring quality. I think we were expecting. Swerve and Hangman are in the back. They're being separated backstage. Security got a workout on this show. And Mac Jackson is looking all angry. So he goes over and he tips over the timekeeper's table. And then he takes the chair and starts bashing the post. And um, I don't know. It, it certainly didn't strike me as uh, he was that angry. It was uh, – this was kind what of calm. I, I didn't find this – it almost felt as though he was um, – You've never seen Matt Jackson act this way, okay? The man broke a chair on a table. You know that that means he's really pissed off. Yeah, this this does scream angry. Um, so anyway, and then he uh, fumes to fumes his way to the back, and we would hear more from him later. MJF skips Samoa Joe's door. He's not going to ask him. Then he sees Darby Allen. His sign is on the locker room, and he just takes the sign down and writes "emo bitch." He's not going to. He doesn't need a. Uh, Darby Allen uh, and his one arm. So the acclaimed appear again with a pick me sign and he just walks away for the second time. Tony Schiavone brings out Adam Copeland who puts over Schiavone for all that he does with the company and for Darby and him being the future and knows that everyone wants to know, am I going to team with them? But before he can give an answer, Christian comes out with Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus and states that he's going to retire Sting at full gear. Darby's got a gimp arm. He's never going to be the same again. And brings up Adam's neck problems. Adam! And <laughs> suggests he back down right now, or else he's going to snap his neck and put him in a wheelchair, where he will live undignified and have his children wipe the drool from his face. And sends Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus to attack. Adam fights them off as Christian enters the ring and they tease a confrontation before Luchasaurus nails him with the extinction from behind, followed by the Wayne's world. So they are attacking Adam's neck. And then Wayne slides a pair of chairs in, stings music plays. So he comes out, followed by Darby, and they fight off the heels. And then you see Copeland setting up in the corner with Cage's back towards him. Christian turns around. And boom, Adam Copeland spears Christian. And Copeland, I'm never going to fight the guy. Well, he's had a change of heart two weeks later. He's going to fight the guy at full gear on November 18th in the six-man tag. 
this felt like this was sped up. Um, but I guess this was kind of where this one was going. But um, yeah, I don't know. this one to me, after you had like the promise that I will not fight uh, Christian, mm-hmm. I feel you needed more than a, well, he threatened to break my neck. So, you know, 40 years of friendship <laughs> has, has its limits. You make threatening to, to, to break somebody's neck sound so casual. I mean, he always... said it in the heat of the moment. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I would I would certainly – I would turn the other cheek way if you threatened to paralyze me. Okay. He's having a bad day. Good good to know. Good Give to him know, a moment. Um, I, uh, I feel like um, this was a case where like dragging this out maybe – I don't know, for two, three months would probably be way too long because I think we all know the end result of this anyway. And it's that Christian and Jar, sorry, Copeland and Cage are going to eventually face each other. Um, I think even, you know, the, I don't the, know how much excitement there is for that one. I think they felt like, wow, it's going to be Edge and Christian. Like, what a great destination to get to. And I don't know, just for me, I've heard a lot more negativity towards these two being tied together. I think. Like Adam Copeland, number one, I think people want to see reinvention out of Adam Copeland. I don't think they want to see just WWE version of him. Number mm-hmm. two, he came in and he did the whole laundry list of new opponents that I've never faced. And I think you've sprint, you've teased the audience with that. I think that's what people do want to see is like some new stuff and not tied to the guy he's synonymous with for what could be months before we get to that singles match. So right. I think you, you've got to give a satisfying end to this. But this could also be one you do the six man and maybe you revisit this at a later time um, rather Got than it out of his system, you know, after he said he wasn't going to face him. And then that six man, um, I'm good for two more months without facing my friend. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't completely disagree with that. You know, I think when you think of Edge and AW, you're thinking of um, more interesting matchups. But at the same time, Christian is this hot right now. You had the big opening debut with with Edge that made perfect sense. I think having, you know, Edge basically slide his way into the AEW system through a Christian Cage feud makes a lot of sense in the world, too. So I don't fault them at all for, like, going this route. Um I think they built to the big match, you know, at some point in the next few months, and then maybe they go their separate ways before, you know, um, uh, revisiting somewhere else down the road. But um, it's been exactly one month since he debuted. How would you assess Adam Copeland after one month? I mean, I think he's been an enjoyable part of AEW so far. Like, I've enjoyed all of his TV appearances. He, he's a great promo, and I think storytelling is pretty good. I'm not necessarily jazzed about, like, him being in a six-man for his first pay-per-view match. But that's also realizing they do a lot of pay-per-views now. So it's not... Is he just, he's just done the Luchasaurus match so far, correct? I believe so, yeah. And just a lot of promos. Tony Khan, yes, so we throw to the announcement, the big announcement backstage. This is like the top of the hour. Nigel McGuinness is with Tony Khan, and Tony Khan starts talking about All In and what a big show it was and all the tickets they sold for their debut in London, their debut in Europe, and then transitions that it is the start of the Christmas season on November the 1st, and whether you are getting your Christmas tree soon or like my family have had the Christmas tree up since July, Tickets are on sale for All In on December the 1st, but you can sign up at Ticketmaster for a pre-sale on November 27th. Uh-huh. The end. Yeah. Um, on there the scale. T- there will be tickets for this event next. Listen, I this is a big show. I actually think it's very smart to put tickets on sale before Christmas and make the – while you're still kind of have that buzz of the first All In that – while people have money to spend before they exhaust their budgets for the Christmas season. I think I think it's a very smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. I think this is is this is beyond like 
the boy who cried wolf when it comes to like wanting to use this as a hook um this to me would have been the one that would have been like the next time you play this i i think like your audience does feel as though like this has become a gimmick that you it's great when you deliver on it but like let's for let's remember that one of these important announcements was the fact that they were running Wembley Stadium for mm. all in and now it is there's a pre-sale and tickets the on sale ticket date um mm-hmm. so yeah i just felt this one was one where i mean this this just really really felt like a, a reach to just you know grab grab a number and i would always subscribe to the idea of under promise over deliver and this was the opposite yeah yeah didn't they have a recent um big announcement um that was also that they didn't make such a big deal over like um the gift no not not the not the rick flair gift um but the donation but they, the you're right though they just did this last week with tony khan's gift like it's the same idea i do feel like they kind of delivered on that though uh, last week surprised. it did it did but let, let's compare and what was the follow-up this week with rick flair well he'll be around you know we, we i mean he's not going to be there every week you know he'll he'll be following sting to the, the most important um occasions i think wow okay but but I, I was more so thinking about the toy donation uh, announcement that he was making, and that was more of a, a like correct me if I'm wrong, but like a Twitter sort of like thing, right? I don't even remember that being built up as any exactly kind of announcement. This is like this that. should have been that scale. Is if what this I'm had doing, not been you know? promoted and this was just announced, it'd be like okay, cool. Like this, yeah. I think if anything, there would have been like a buzz for all in instead of like just hyping up like these announcements and the fact is when he's done these announcements like if we go through the history of them a lot of them have been noteworthy mm-hmm. so i wouldn't go to this well unless i had something of substance and this this was not like this could have just been in the show anyone it's like the idea like if we look tomorrow and it's like okay there was a spike during this well what did that spike take away from this that they went out of their way they were watching the baseball game and flipped over and this is what they got what what kind of impression did you leave those people with? You would never want to color um, people's experience of your show, especially attached to an announcement like this with any sort of negativity. And that's all the sort of um, reaction I've seen to this segment. Not the fact that they're putting tickets on so early. That's perfectly fine. But the idea that they made such a bigger deal out of this for what is essentially just a localized, I guess, common occurrence anyway, you know, that really doesn't affect most of the world that's watching. He built this as what, like an international uh, ramifications or some bullshit like that. This was completely unnecessary. And uh, along with the joke about the Christmas tree, Tony, you know, like he's so awkward. I mean, it's at this point almost like kind of lovably awkward, isn't it? But he should not be delivering. Leave the jokes to Nigel, who was a much needed sort of portion of this delivery. You know who is just totally morphed now into like Paul Heyman is is Scott Demore in the sense of like the guy that is like the the rallying speech mm-hmm. like now that like this whole TNA revival like they are putting Scott Demore in that role and he's good he's and he's earned that spot you know the changes he, he's got credibility ahead. with the audience as this guy mm-hmm. that goes back to 2003 with, with the company and his many different incarnations and spins with the company like he's got the history and he's just. And he's got a great delivery. Like he just screams. He loves to say the F word. That's, you know, yeah, he puts money in the swear jar. (laughs) Matt Menard and Angelo Parker against Jericho and Omega. Don Callis is on commentary with the family. And this was another pretty quick match. Not, um, I think, at the level that you would expect from a Bucks match, nor an Omega match here. I mean, Omega was like selling on the floor. The Golden Jets, John. The Golden Jets. I am so sorry. uh, with, With due respect to Bobby Hull. 
the walls is applied to Parker, but then Jericho releases to hit a drop kick to Menard. Hey, off at least, apron. at least these do have a name. These Daddy Magic, Cool and Inch, and Jake Hager, Daniel Garcia, they're still known as the formerly former JAS. JAS members. Like that's their <laughs> that's the name of the group, the former JAS members. Well, maybe they're trying to trademark a name. They're waiting for uh, the finalization. Like the, of it. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm assuming this is just maybe a very extended transition out of the group for them. But those guys have like been left with nothing after this this JAS has broken up. So Let, let's remember when the, when the NWO split up and one side got the Wolf Pack and the other was uh, we're going to be NWO black and white. Oh, that's way cooler than the former JAS. NWO black and white. Oh, then we had the subgroup with like Vincent and Horace and uh, such. We'll be talking about Horace this week. Yeah, the B team. Yeah. Jericho then gets hit in the face with a bat because we had to do one believable near fall spot where Angelo Parker could have pinned Jericho, but Jericho kicks out and the crowd was uh, amazed. Parker then swings the bat right in front of Audrey, like just Aubrey, and swings it, misses, and therefore, okay, let it go. And Jericho hits the Judas effect and pins Parker in 608. Uh, if there's no contact, then referee can't call anything, right? <laughs> yeah, this is the old uh, shoot the gun, but the bullet missed. That's it. Yeah. Um, I yeah, don't know honestly, not much stood out about this match, and um, I thought it was fine. You know, but um, Dude, this was a very substandard dynamite. If we're talking about like the, like the wrestling and uh, mm-hmm. like like Claudio and Orange Cassidy would maybe be like your your standout, but like as as a whole, I, I thought this was like a very underwhelming in ring show. Mm-hmm. Callus gets on the microphone calling Jericho and Omega cockroaches. And maybe this is going to have to be finished, not in a ring, but on the street. And issues a challenge for a street fight in two weeks' time on Dynamite in Ontario, California, November 15th. So Omega responds calling him numb nuts and accepts the challenge. But he's bringing Kota Ibushi to the street fight. Callus notes, well, you're still one man short, which means they must be confident Sammy Guevara is going to be back by this time, or else Don Callis is going to have to work this street fight. And to combat uh, the fourth man, Jericho says, you know, Hobbs, you're a big man, but I have an even bigger friend. And Callis says, there's no one bigger than Hobbs. Dude, the way Callis just like helped build towards this announcement. (laughs) There's no one bigger than powerhouse Hobbs. Human being is bigger than him. Jericho says, not a normal man, but Hobbs is not a giant and out comes Paul white. And uh, this man comes out and dude, he plants himself here and you can see, dude, he's not even like his legs looked like they were at this angle. Like he can't even stand straight. His knees are all wrapped up and Kyle Fletcher just has to run at him and just feed himself for this fist. And he gets knocked out and do Paul white. He does not, move down the ramp he doesn't do anything here and this was i guess by design to just keep him there um mm. well i have to imagine if they're confident enough to put him in uh, i'm i'm sure match, but um he can yeah. he could do so enough you know um and i i'm strangely looking forward to this street fight for one Kota thing Bushi and big show doing uh double teams together 
Yes, yes. I never thought I, I would see the day where Kota Ibushi would team up with the Big Show, but only in AEW, right? Um, but the street fight concept essentially kind of uh, almost like teases that this might be like a stadium stampede type of match. And it's plenty of bells and whistles to protect anybody that needs that sort of protection. Um, I would think creatively they would come up with something very interesting for everybody to do. And uh, as and a one time pay-per-view, like you would have thought this is on the pay-per-view, but they're doing it on dynamite. It's, it's true. But I, because it's on TV, I'm, I'm that much more accepting of like having a, a Paul white match in 2023. I do feel kind of bad for the guy, you know, like everybody gets these warm welcomes whenever they come back out of retirement. And Paul white had that one match on the kickoff that everybody hated against QT Marshall. I mean, I guess that wasn't on the kickoff that, but it was a match that nobody wanted to see. Um, comes back here with just even a little bit of a tease from Jericho and nobody wants to see Paul White. I, I think in this setting, there there's enough around him to make this interesting. And at least some of the, the meaty men sort of like, you know, moments he'll have with Hobbs, I think could have, have a great, very good chance of being entertaining. So this will be his fifth match in AEW. He beat QT Marshall at All Out 2021. Then he, then he worked... Uh, a pair of handicap matches on elevation in September and October of 2021. His last match, his last match was March 30th, 2022 beating Austin green on elevation. So dude, he has never wrestled on TV before. Like, yeah. And and this is a man with like, you know, 20 plus 30 plus year career at this point, you know, in the industry, former champion, like a guy who's been an actual main eventer, but um, I guess, He's never been that great of a main eventer, which is probably and not nor that those, great. Those that are negative, I think they are not isolating Paul White here. I think he is more just a symptom of an aspect of AEW that I don't think this audience is clamoring for. Right. Um, now, I think you're much more forgiving for like a TV street fight mm-hmm. and and such. I think, that, but um, it, it's just it's overall at the same time. I just think it's it's the totality of all of these different figures that I can make cases for all these individuals. It's, it's the cumulative effect that they are having on the show that you don't want to just be the place that is, you watch this and you come away with all of the stars are the ones that came from the major company. It, it, it is true. At the same time, I mean, AEW has shown an, an ability to reinvent a lot of people so that they're welcome parts of the show where, you know, we talk about Sting. We're talking about Daddy Ass in the main event on his 60th birthday, John, you know? Yeah, we've got, uh, we've got a few decades to go till we're at that level. So yes. happy birthday to Billy Gunn, 60. You think you'll look like that at 60? I'm, you know, working my way towards it. I think I need need a few more protein shakes if I have any hope of that. Uh, So that is our setup for the street fight. And Renee interviews Jericho and Omega in their dressing room. And the Bucks are in the background. And as they're interviewing Jericho, Matt Jackson interrupts and asks Kenny, what's the point of us getting back together if we're not going to have each other's backs? And calls Jericho a prick over what he did to their father. I will assume he attacked Papa Buck at some point. I, I would assume so too. Maybe as part of like the inner circle versus like the elite feud. Yeah. And Jericho just pretty much like dresses down Matt and uh, Matt warns Omega that Jericho is going to screw him and, uh, and storms off. So I kind of like this, this directional change uh, for, for Matt Jackson and Nick is kind of going along with it. I think the bucks need something like they have become just like, they're in a very comfortable role 
but I feel as though like they have not been difference makers on this show that they should be. And I think that they, they could use like a fresh coat of paint and whether that's like a turn here, uh, separating themselves from hangman and Kenny Omega. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Like this is, this is a major act. And I think now is like, you look at them and it's just, it's, it's just been like, they've got their spot on, on the show that sort of just feels as though it, it could use some refreshing. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I would say this elite reunion in general um, this time around has kind of felt like, you know, a, a band on, on its reunion tour for like the second or third time in a row. And maybe anybody who's already seen, who's wanted to see them has already seen them. So it doesn't really feel that special, nor have they really made too much of an attempt to make it feel like it's that big of a deal. So they're already teasing dissent among the members at this point. And you can definitely argue that um, the best work that the elite have done has have been against each other, particularly with the bucks against Kenny Omega and, uh, any tag team partner so it looks like they're building to the this golden jets versus young buck young bucks match which i'm sure will be really great that should be la i think for the paper yeah sure hikaru shida willow nightingale for the aew women's championship featuring a plug for wipeout and a shout out to john cena have they explicitly mentioned cena's name in the past i they've definitely like plugged the show before i can't remember something uh so blatant here as like calling out uh cena's name and taz hey i know that guy not that it matters i mean cena at this point is so big you know so yeah um sheeta hits a cross body to the floor they go through the uh the picture in picture break and then it's a cartwheel out of the corner by willow following with a an enziguri and then there's a drop kick off the buckle. Sheeta gets to her feet, hits her own. Both women are down. And then she hits an avalanche falcon arrow and Willow Nightingale kicks out at one. And this picks up the crowd and she hits the pounce. They're cheering for her DVD for a near fall. And then the doctor bomb is countered with a head scissors by Sheeta. She attempts a pair of crucifixes and then a knee strike for a two before hitting the katana to win in 956. And they push that she has defended the title three times in the last seven days. I thought the crowd was really quiet for this match um maybe due to time placement maybe just due to you know um the crowd but they, i didn't think they really got into it that much but i thought overall it was a good match i thought um, the last two minutes they they picked up once i think they the, the one count worked for the crowd i think that's kind of like an overdone spot but it did work here i felt for that um yeah it was i i thought by the end it it, it picked it picked up especially with the audience so mm-hmm but again, I, I wouldn't say like there was a little too much here to uh, drop what you're doing. Tony Storm comes out and uh, Sheeta just knocks the shoe off the pillow that Luther's holding and chases Storm to the back after nailing her with a knee strike. So that is our, our buildup for the women's title match. Yeah. With uh, like Tony Storm is definitely a heel in, in this feud against Hikaru Sheeta. With the shoe. Ah, very good. Yes. But in LA, I mean, I don't really expect much of a heel reaction i think it's gonna be a re- it's it's that tough spot for Sheeta where she's gonna be the baby face against the cooler heel it depends on what action they they might do you know to set up the match people do love Sheeta, so the lights go out julia hart appears with willow still inside the ring and julia hart extends her hand but then sky blue walks in and gets right into julia hart's face turns around you think she's going to spray willow but she turns around again and hits the blue mist into the face of julia hart I don't know what the blue mist uh, means, but uh, Julia freaked out, uh, but she didn't look blinded or decapitated from this blue mist. 
Yeah, we need some sort of catalog of like you know all the mists and their powers. The black seems you don't want to mess with the black mist. Red, Red mist. is the worst, right? Or or is black black the worst? What is it? Well, we haven't seen the full effects of the black mist. It, like we're still in the the period of adjustment for sky blue. Like she has definitely had a change of. Uh, Julie Hart took the black mist. I would I would say that's the well, point. yeah, and look what look what's happened to her. Mm-hmm. But she gets a lot more TV time since the black mist. So now, how does one fend off the effects of the mist? Like like Willow and, and Sky Blue have right now. Um, they, they get vaccinated. Last week we saw with the spray paint, you get a title belt in front to shield. No, 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 they've taken the mist already. They they got the little. Thing oh, how you how you deal with it once you've been misted? Yeah, you do. How did they get the antibodies? Um. Well, you have to go to a country with um <laughs> more universal health care. <laughs> right. Um. Anyway, so Sky Blue seems to have been cured by by these uh, uh, corrupting effects. Of the House of Black Mist. Are we going to get an explanation for that? Is there going to be a vignette about how she uh, has healed herself? We need a, a check-in with a doctor. Well, I think we should call Dr. Alex Patel, um, to, you know, virologist, to, you know, explain how this could have been that possible. Black Mist, it's going around these these days. <laughs> they spent a lot of time on, you know, either Collision or Rampage trying to tell this, like, Sky Blue, um, Willow, Mist story. Um it feels like a rampage story, if you know what I mean. Like seeing it on Dynamite here, with essentially culminating, it feels like really small time. And um, again, maybe more of the sort of type of storytelling that's mm, not not the best um, that I've seen. You, you can say it. It's it's hit or missed. <laughs> you can say it. You did say it. Yeah. MJF is still in the back, and the. The acclaimed explain no one likes you except for Max Caster. Everyone loves the acclaimed. All you need to do is scissor with us in the ring and wear this as they hand him a bag. He looks in. MJF says, no, it's not happening. He's like, I've got one more group to hit up on my list. We turn around and there's Jeff Jarrett and company. They state they're here to help. And MJF is forced with either the idea of teaming with Sutton Singh or wearing this outfit in the bag. And I think we all know he's not going to fumble this bag. Renee is with the kingdom again. They call Adam Cole and state that MJF didn't even ask us to team up tonight. And I was trying to be nice. And Cole tells him to shut up. He hangs up on him. I mean, they kind of already did the joke at the beginning, didn't they? With Roddy. Like, I feel like we only need one Roddy, Adam, you know, type of appearance per show. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of this. It was a bit, yeah, a bit, a bit kind of overstated to welcome this week, I thought. Rampage on Friday. Vikingo Penta Commander, Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel against the Guns, Marina Shafir against Sky Blue, and Daniel Garcia against Trent Beretta. Trent running late to the KFC Yum Center. And then Collision on Saturday night. So this is the show that may go against. It will be airing hours after Crown Jewel. And we did see with Money in the Bank, probably uh, an effect that just running the same day could have, even if it's not head-to-head. This could also be against... Uh, game seven of the World Series, which as I check right now, uh, I may have already dated myself. Yes, I did, because the Texas Rangers have won the World Series, everyone. So oh, okay. there you go. No game seven to worry about, nor game six on Friday night. So there you Wrest- go. Breaking Wrest- Wrestling companies should rejoice. Yeah, they won. Uh, man, Texas scored one run in the top of the seventh. And on top of the ninth, they scored four runs. Just destroyed Arizona's uh, hope. And uh, there you go. Congratulations. Okay, so no game seven. So this will be collision, which will have college football to contend with. We have AR Fox against Swerve Strickland. That whole story. Remember that? 
No, I'm going to need a recap at the beginning of the show because I don't think people are going to remember this. Uh, Darby Allen against Lance Archer. So there's the man's gimp arm uh, and a status update on him. And the main well, event. He got, he got physical tonight with no cast or, or at least invisible cast. I guess he's all good. He's got two arms. The acclaimed will have their 69 day celebration. That's the biggest thing they're promoting for collision. You might be muted. Sorry. Just wait till Friday afternoon, John. You know, where, where they might might announce um, CM Punk returning. <laughs> you never Maybe know. Maybe they announce CM Punk versus Samoa Joe and they play the ROH tape. <laughs> Just every match in the trilogy, the quadrilogy. They, they, they have a few. Uh, and then added to the pay-per-view are Swerve and Hangman, Orange Cassidy and Moxley, the, te- the six-man tag with Adam Copeland and Christian Cage, and... Uh, yeah, that's our that's our latest. So the pay per view is coming together, but still more matches to be announced. Main event: MJF, the acclaimed, and Daddy Ass against Jay White, Juice Robinson, and the Guns. The acclaimed come out. Max Caster raps about running them out of town like Rick Pitino. Then a whole bunch got censored on on my end, so I don't know what what he said that was so offensive. Uh, but we came back in time for him to state that Juice is covered in pubic hair and the Guns are New Japan rejects. And the Ass Boys, yeah. yeah. So then MJF's music plays and he comes out in pink trunks and boots, a scissor me shirt and a plaid pink scarf as they compared him to Rick, the model Martel. A, a pink Burberry scarf. I mean, I think going the extra distance here, you know, uh, with, with these, this, um, what might be a one week pairing might be a longer pairing, but I mean, I think uh, I'm happy to see this pink memorabilia. It's not even breast cancer awareness month. Then we got a second important announcement. World's End tickets go on sale this Friday. What? This this didn't deserve a... They had announced this date beforehand, but they did remind us. (laughs) This was also Billy Gunn's 60th birthday. You, what would have been the bigger uh, acclaimed segment to do? A 60th birthday party or a 69-day celebration on on Saturday? I think you you could have got more mileage out of the 60th birthday. Yeah, but it's 69. If it was a 69 birthday, we? like I remember like the 69 jokes when I was like in fifth grade and by seventh grade, it was like, okay. Do you realize what the acclaimed have built their empire on? I guess you can't, you can't give up on a 69. It's scissoring, dude. Scissoring. Like, like, yeah, exactly. It totally fits the, the acclaimed. I, I'm not doubting it, it. It fits, but um, all right, we'll see what they have in store for Saturday night. Shivani mentions, we still don't know who's under the devil's mask. Like, you're right, Tony. That's that's still lingering. Hmm. They build up to this. This crowd, to, to their credit here, they didn't they didn't care about anything but these four men scissoring. That's all they wanted to see. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday. And they, and they were gonna, this was like the MJF special. Tease something, deny them, deny them, deny them, and then give it to them. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That was the whole structure of this. We got the uh, the scissor me timbers on Colton. They invite MJF for the scissoring spot, but Bullet Club Gold yank them to the floor. The crowd is chanting, let them scissor. Bowens is tossed over the barricade. And then Caster is trying to crawl to the corner, makes the hot tag. Jay White flies to the floor away. And then MJF chases after him, gets clipped by Austin, stops the 310 to Yuma with a DDT kangaroo kick for the big pop, shakes the ropes like Batista, and then turns around and boom, he's hit with the Blade Runner. Jay White pins MJF in 1339. I like this ending a lot. 
I did too. I mean, perfectly logical ahead of the, you know, uh, title match. Um, I thought the crowd was really into everything that they were teasing between the four-way scissor to the hot tags to Jay White doing everything he can to avoid getting in the same ring with MJF. Everything was, I thought, very effectively done, especially like, you know, realizing that this was a show long build to towards the final moment of the show with the four of them. They, they, they promoted a whole two hours towards a scissoring. So Afterwards, Bullet Club Gold is attacking and they go for the belt shot. But Jay White and MJF are left alone in the ring. And as Jay White goes for the belt shot, Max Caster gets Max out of the way and Caster takes the belt shot. He takes the bullet from the Bullet Club and he goes down. Jay White leaves with the title and MJF is checking on Caster. And as Caster's down on his back selling this belt shot, he puts the scissors in the air and MJF is not interested. Billy Gunn, 60-year-old Billy Gunn, reprimands MJF and demands that he scissor after what he's done for him. And they get into their corners. Huge pop for the scissoring. And that's how the show ended. I cannot deny that this uh, worked really well for this crowd and the fact that they built to this spot uh, all night long and this crowd went insane for it. Mm Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I mean, I felt like, yes, like this MJF show long storyline was probably like the biggest um, use of time throughout the entire show. And I'm sensing negativity in general overall to this edition of Dynamite. But I don't think this storyline should be faulted at all. I thought this was one, like one of the strong points of this show, the, the way that they were able to weave an entire story throughout the course of these two hours, culminating in a very fan friendly scene, while at the same time giving Jay White a much needed win over MJF ahead of the uh, championship uh, match. A fan friendly scissoring to cap off the night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, listen, I think that this it gives a reason for MJF to now have this like this this backup and you did a whole story around it. Um in terms of like building up the Jay White match, I, I think like the finish uh, assisted in that. Like I don't feel this is like this big pay-per-view main event. I think that is I and I don't know if th- this match is going to reach that level. Like we're we're very close to the pay-per-view at this point and maybe you get into some like significant promos over the over the next few weeks, but I think this kind of is what it is. I think everyone has high expectations for the match, but this is also like this is clearly carrying the pay-per-view at, at this point and to a degree like you know, staying in Adam Copeland in a, you know, secondary role on the show. But this is like the sometimes we have like a list of like what the main event of the show is. This is the clear number one match being promoted. In terms of story, I think the page and swerve feud, you know, has been a much more serious storyline. Um Chiron needs you know, a new not, security system, but yes. notwithstanding. But you know, in terms of just I think the amount of heat you could say, um, I think that's done a much better job than, you know, uh, MJF and, and Jay White. But they do have a few weeks. I'm not at all into this like stealing the title belt type of um shenanigans that None. I think is so overplayed and it doesn't mean anything really by the end. Um but um they have a few weeks. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't as high on this episode of dynamite. Like I do feel that this is a show that I think there needs to be a better balance. And I'm not even so like anti like out of the ring stuff, but just give me like strong quality regardless of what it is. And I, I I don't think they always hit that mark with, with a lot of this stuff. Like sometimes I feel that they beat the joke into the ground, like the Roderick strong kingdom stuff. It's, I don't know. It's, really past its due date with it's, me. it's two one trick you know like they they need to take it further or in a different direction um 
And yeah. it's also so centrally tied to a guy that's that's no longer around. Like it just feels like they're really trying to like crowbar Adam Cole into these episodes. It feels very – you can do it I think in a natural way with MJF. But yeah, the, the second one, it just really like hit you over the head. It's like, okay, this is um, – I don't know that that part has has kind of lost me uh, on that sense. And yeah, the, the rest of the show, it's I like I just feel this is a company that they are going through an identity shift at, at this point. And they're down a lot of people right now. You know, Mox is is just coming back. Danielson's out. Um, Darby, you know, is, is somebody that is kind of on, on a disabled list as well. Uh, Edge is not a somebody that they're using to wrestle every single week. Um, so you're right. Like, I think, you know, they're still maybe scrambling with what, whatever long-term plans they might've had with like an end of cold versus MJF. Um, I think MJF has been like, he's been a good lead, but at the same time, um, it hasn't been enough. And you can argue like a lot of the more sort of like sports entertainment type of direction is, is a result of like the style of, professional wrestling content that he produces and when that's sort of like the what your show is now kind of being known for you really had kind of had to pick up like the the seriousness in other parts and maybe the show isn't doing enough of that at the moment well we've got uh two and a half weeks until full gear so they've got uh two more dynamites uh so two weeks is the street fight and then yes november 18th is uh the pay-per-view so we will open it up, and uh, if you have any super chats, you can send them in to us, and we'll get to your feedback from forum.postwrestling.com going through tonight's episode. Let's start things off here with forum.postwrestling.com and Alfredo, who says, I am intrigued by Sky Blue's blue misting of Julia. I envision Sky Blue and Willow forming the House of Blue to feud with the House of Black, and they can bring in the Blue Meanie, Leva Bates, Glacier, Blue Tista, and Blue Kane. I just looked it up, and three of those people have already appeared in AEW previously, so it's not a total fantasy. And then Tony Khan can pony up the money for the Eiffel 65 song. No, 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 no. Okay, so none of that uh, is happening. Hmm. Uh, Next up we go to Alex, who writes, Hey guys, a few tidbits from me. Big fan of Orange Cassidy and Claudio. That incredible finish. I've never seen anything like that before. John Moxley pretty much swallowing Orange whole. Like how Tony Storm did last week was great to see. I've missing Moxley getting physical. Copeland seems to rely fairly heavily on his big boot pump kick move. Hopefully he'll hit Nick Wayne with it and can recreate an Anderson Silva Vitor Belfort finish. Sign me up for the surreal dreamscape that is Paul White tagging with Kota Ibushi. Hopefully Kota can give Paul some good career advice for a change and see Mr. White get a running gleep. Good to know that you can lose a number one contenders match, then get a title match five days later. On a positive note, I like the strides made in both the Sheeta Storm and Blue Nightingale Heart Stories. Rest of the year discourse is ramping up, and the show made very clear. Uh, Roderick Strong now has a. These are just a lot of uh, thoughts collected here. Middle of the road dynamite for me. This week's collision looks to be more my speed. Who's he suggesting as wrestler of the year that might have been been affected by this particular show? Um, I don't. I don't quite know. Like who had a wrestler of the year type of performance on? Nobody. On nobody show. had a had a. A part where the best of show we're going to be saying, "Hey, remember that November first dynamite? That was a change." I mean, oh, he's joking because Roderick Strong has a mustache. He should be in, in contention, I guess. Okay, okay, Th- that was a separate sentence. I didn't know yeah. that was tied to it. Okay, we got it. Sorry, sorry, didn't mean to kill your joke. We 
which is not very smart. Let's go to Jordan from the Bronx, who says, I didn't like this episode tonight. Usually the highs are really good and the lows tend to be negligible, but tonight everything just felt middling. I enjoyed Claudio and Orange, and I got a kick out of JY pinning MJF. Everything else progressed well enough to be the, to the pay-per-view, but for me, it wasn't interesting enough to keep me invested throughout the night. I could be a bit wary since I have a 10 day old newborn keeping me up at night congratulations jordan from the bronx but i found myself thinking i could be sneaking a nap during the show uh this question may be more appropriate for an ask away but how did you guys manage to watch wrestling when your children were younger i ended up watching collision on monday and cherry picking the wwe and impact shows peace uh i'd say our children still qualify as younger uh at this at this stage of the game yeah well i mean um my my kid sleeps at like 8 30 you know which and and i have a very very hard working wife who manages his bedtime every night so i it, it frees me up to watch and then during the day it would be during his naps or again during one of my partner's shifts yeah it's a um it's it's just a puzzle you really don't get to uh decide you you work around your children and and what time they allow you to uh take part in such things yeah i have not um like we we limit screen time uh, around him and certainly it wouldn't be used for professional wrestling at this age so it's not something i could do while while he's around wait till you're looking for a breather tomorrow and you're gonna spend some of your time watching wcw thunder from 2000 and wondering what am i doing i might have to yeah um sneak that in before he wakes up Chris from Vancouver, I've been the biggest AEW fan since day one, and I realize there will be dips and lulls from time to time, but holy hell are they going through one right now. This, to me, was definitely, definitively the worst dynamite they've put out. I shuddered when they explained the trio's title shot was due to a rematch clause. No amount of spin can justify calling all-in tickets going on sale in a month big news, and my heart just sunk when Big Show was revealed to be Jericho's partner. I like that they had a storyline strung through the episode, but I'm just sitting here at the end of the night feeling disappointed. I think Chris needs to watch WCW Thunder from uh, the year 2000. That cannot be your defense of a bad episode in Okay, but, the, but to say though. this is the worst Dynamite they put out, I mean, that's probably more of a, a, a way to say Dynamite has been really, really good throughout its existence if this is the worst show. And I don't even know if that, that's going to be true. I think there's a lot of disappointment, okay, especially with built-up expectation of this Tony Khan announcement. Um, the Paul White is a booking decision, you know, again, like it or not, um, that I don't even know if you can really pin down on this particular episode as much as like their long-term booking. And I, I'm also not as like pessimistic about it as, as a lot of people because of the creativity of the other participants involved. So anyway, I, I do sense the frustration from Chris and also other audience members. All right, let's go finally to Muggin, who says MJF's search for partners provided a nice through line, along with another double tease. Sheeta Nightingale was solid. I'm glad that the sky blue corruption angle didn't end predictably, and it appears that they're wiping their hands of this nonsense. The Copeland Cage feud took another big step, and match of the night went to Cassidy and Castagnoli, and the eight-man tag did the job to give MJF an even bigger mountain to climb, but the post-match scissoring was a feel-good way to cap it off. AEW needs to drop the important announcement hook. It's reaching crying wolf status. The all-in pre-sale should have been in a press release. Oh, I'm sure we'll get a press release reminding us in case we missed the important announcement. But yes, everyone, that is the headline. Pre-sale, November 27th. Tickets on sale December 1st. Well, people know about it. Great. But brilliant marketing. Now, okay, everyone's going to repeat the on-sale date. <laughs> 
let's say there are breakfast. Well, oh, I got a press release here, everybody, from uh, about all in. So during tonight's live episode of AEW Dynamite from Louisville, Kentucky, AEW CEO Tony Khan announced the tickets for the second AEW All in London will go on sale to the general public Friday, December 1st at 9 a.m. British Standard Time via Ticketmaster. Oh, like I'm I'm just like literally doing their job for them here. So, there you so do you think um do you think they will be justified in promoting this as an important announcement if they do have really good pre-sale numbers? No. No, I don't. I don't think so either. I, I think they would have had them anyway. This is making no difference in terms of the the announcement. I don't even think I'm 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 angry at announcing it on TV. I'm angry at them doing the graph this was a tactic to drive a number based on past uh, success that they have had by teasing big announcements and like again like these announcements have been i've bought ring of honor (laughs) you know what i mean we're bringing in rick flair um we're running wembley stadium Hmm. we have a (laughs) pre-sale yes I think anyone can justifiably uh, criticize uh, that. But again, I don't think that would have been, um, you know, if this had been an excellent show, I don't think that would have been uh, as negatively. I, I think overall, to me, it was a disappointing episode. And that was just another aspect to it that it just felt as though, um, you know, if you're if you're somebody that you, you tuned into the show, it's like you've got a Kenny Omega match, you've got a Young Bucks match, you've got a a, a big announcement that that's coming your way. You can certainly see why people came away with this one with like a, a less than satisfactory uh, response to this show. And I, I probably find myself more in, in that category. But they get to do it all again on a Saturday night with Collision. So uh, Cafe members, you will get to hear from John Cena and Kate from Montreal. And uh, we also want to let people know that uh, we're going to have a more consistent schedule for uh, Post Pro Res with WH Park and Karen Peterson. They're going to be putting out a show the first Friday of every month. And that begins with this Friday. So every uh, Friday morning. The first Friday of each month, uh, you will have a new show coming your way. So I'm sure they will be going into uh, all of the latest New Japan news, Katsuhiko Nakajima, who will be taking on Yuma Aoyagi this coming weekend. That's kind of the uh, the sleeper match, I would say, of the weekend uh, coming up as well. But uh, lots for those two to discuss. I would assume preview of Power Struggle as well, which you can hear Karen and Bruce review in the Post Wrestling Cafe this Saturday. So That's right. And we out. have... Uh, I believe five cafe shows coming your way uh, between now and the weekend. All roads lead to Thursday. Rewind away. Number 142. It is WCW Thunder, April the 26th of 2000, where David Arquette and Diamond Dallas Page team up to defend the WCW title. Yes, to team up to defend the WCW title against Jeff Jarrett and Eric Bischoff. And somehow... David Arquette, who is the partner of the WCW champion, wins the WCW championship. How the, how does this make sense? Tune in Thursday as Brandon from New Jersey will justify this choice. Anything is possible in the world of uh, WCW 2000. So I look forward to talking about it with you and Brandon from New Jersey. That's out Thursday. PostWrestlingCafe.com. And that will wrap it up. Thanks to everyone for tuning in to Rewind a Dynamite.